This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Rwanda National Neonatal Protocol Respiratory Care by Dr. Lezine Tisenge. Introduction. Hello, my name is uh, Dr. Lezine Tisenge. I'm the General Secretary of Rwanda Pediatric Association. Thank you for your attention to this chapter uh, about respiratory in newborn. Overview. By the end of this chapter, Participants will be able to describe signs of respiratory distress in a newborn, identify the common causes of respiratory distress in newborn and respond appropriately, describe the treatment of common respiratory conditions of the newborn. Understanding neonatal respiratory conditions. What are the signs of newborn respiratory distress that you have seen? Tachypnea is the most common and often first sign to develop. Other signs are hypoxia, cyanosis, retractions, grunting, nasoflaring, and apnea. A normal respiratory rate is between 30 and 60 breaths per minute. This video illustrates tachypnea, a respiratory rate of greater than 60 breaths per minute. Apnea is characterized by no breath for more than 20 seconds or a pause in breathing that is accompanied by bradycardia or a decrease in oxygenation. This illustrates a newborn with cyanosis, a blue correlation of the skin and mucous membrane due to deoxygenated hemoglobin. These photos show normal nostril and nostril that are flared in an effort to breathe in a larger volume of air. This video demonstrates grunting. Grunting is an infant's way of stenting open the lungs to improve air and the oxygen delivery. This video illustrates retractions, the use of accessory respiratory muscles in order to take deeper breath. A respiratory assessment is based on the physical exam, vital signs, history, and understanding of the cause of the respiratory symptoms and the natural history of that diagnosis. After a complete assessment, determine the degree of respiratory distress. Mild respiratory distress is characterized by minimal grunting, flaring, or retractions, and the respiratory rate between 50 and 70 breaths per minute, with oxygen saturation greater than 90%. Mild respiratory distress is often missed and only detected once it becomes moderate or severe. Moderate to severe respiratory distress consists of moderate to severe grunting, flaring, or retractions, a respiratory rate over 70 or less than 30, with oxygen saturation less than 90%. There are several aspects of the treatment of respiratory distress. 
provide the newborn with the oxygen, with the goal saturation being between 90 and 95%. Provide the hydration, nutrition, and antibiotic therapy if needed. Monitor the newborn closely, frequently checking vital signs and assessing for apnea. Of note, never cover a newborn's face, even when she's sleeping. It is important to be able to see the face to monitor for respiratory distress and apnea. It is important to evaluate for the cause of respiratory distress, review maternal and delivery history, and obtain laboratory and radiologic information. Laboratory testing includes full blood count and differential, CRP, blood culture, if available. A chest X-ray can be helpful. There are three possible methods of oxygen delivery that can be used for newborns. The first is a face mask, which can deliver a higher flow of oxygen and is optimal for nasal obstruction. A second option is nasal cannula. This is better for long-term oxygen therapy. It is important to ensure appropriate prong size. A third method is a CPAP. This is a newer way to deliver oxygen with the gentle pressure to prevent or treat atelectasis. Because it is not available in all settings, it is covered in a separate training. Oxygen can be obtained from either an oxygen concentrator or an oxygen tank. The concentrator delivers a widely variable concentration of oxygen from 45 to 80%, depending on the specifics of the machine and the environment. It can provide between 0.5 and 5 liters per minute flow. The oxygen tank provides only 100% oxygen and the lowest flow that can be set is 1 liter per minute. The oxygen tank can rupture, leak oxygen and run out of oxygen. Use tanks with caution in premature newborns due to the risk of oxygen toxicity. High levels of oxygen for long periods of time can be toxic to the eyes, brain, and the lungs. What are some of the causes of respiratory distress in the newborn? Causes of newborn respiratory distress include transient tachypnea of the newborn, respiratory distress syndrome, pneumonia, meconium, aspiration syndrome, pneumothorax, and non-respiratory etiologies such as sepsis, cardiac, gastrointestinal, or neurologic issues. Transient tachypnea of the newborn, or TTN, is caused by retained fetal lung fluid. Risk factors include precipitous bath, macrosomia, and caesarean section without labor. Signs and symptoms of TTN or mild to moderate respiratory distress, good air entry with crackles on auscultation. It can be described as PC4 tachypnea. To manage TTN, provide the newborn with supplemental oxygen if she's cyanotic, and provide nutrition and hydration. Give the newborn nasogastric feeds if the tachypnea and the respiratory distress are mild, otherwise provide IV fluid. Consider giving the newborn antibiotics, depending on the duration and the trajectory of symptoms. 
If the respiratory symptoms resolve over a few hours, antibiotics are not needed. If they persist for more than a few hours, antibiotics should be started while determining if the illness is only TTN or if it is pneumonia. TTN is considered to be a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that pathologies requiring treatment have to be ruled out first. Respiratory distress syndrome, or RDS, is caused by surfactant deficiency resulting from premature birth, most common in babies born at a gestational age of less than 35 weeks. It results in a diffuse air sac collapse, edema, and alveolar cell injury. Symptoms include moderate to severe respiratory distress, including tachypnea, cyanosis, and grunting, nasal flaring, and retractions, as well as hypoxia and diminished air entry bilaterally on oscartation. To treat RDS, follow the general management plan for respiratory distress. Provide oxygen therapy, hydration, nutrition, and antibiotics. Initiate CPAP if this is available. If the newborn has RDS but no infection, antibiotics should be stopped at 48 hours. If there is concern for a superimposed infection like pneumonia or sepsis though, continue antibiotics for at least seven days. Generally, RDS symptoms worsen over the first two days, then start to improve as the newborn begins to make endogenous surfactants. It is difficult to differentiate pure RDS from RDS with sepsis or pneumonia. The following are factors in favor of a diagnosis of pure RDS. Preterm labor is the only perinatal risk factor for sepsis. Respiratory signs are mild. There are no signs of systemic illness such as poor perfusion of, or lethargy. White blood cells 5 to 20, differential with less than 70% granulocytes, CRP negative, chest X-ray consistent with pure RDS. These factors that raise a concern that the baby may also have sepsis or pneumonia. Perinatal risk factors in addition to preterm labor, moderate to severe respiratory symptoms, signs of systemic sepsis such as poor perfusion or lethargy, white blood cells less than 5 or more than 20, and greater than 70% of granulocytes. CRP positive, chest X-ray atypical for poor RDS, asymmetric infiltrates. Pneumonia is typically a result of a bacterial organism acquired in the acute perinatal period. The most common organisms are those near the birth canal, Signs of pneumonia include moderate to severe respiratory distress and hypoxia. To assess for pneumonia, look for white blood cells less than 5 or greater than 20 or greater than 70% of granulocytes. CRP positive. When treating pneumonia, follow the general management strategy for respiratory distress. Provide oxygen therapy, hydration, nutrition, and antibiotics. A full course of antibiotics should be given, which is typically seven days of ampicillin and gentamicin. 
For more details regarding antibiotics, please refer to the chapter 9. Meconium aspiration syndrome is caused by an passage of meconium into the amniotic fluid due to hypoxia or infection. Gasping by the fetus or newborn causes meconium stained amniotic fluid to be aspirated into the lungs. The syndrome is more common in term or post-term infants with fetal distress. Effects include irritation and inflammation of the lungs and the mechanical obstruction of small airways, which causes hypoxia, respiratory distress, and increased risk of pneumothorax. To manage meconium aspiration syndrome, provide oxygen therapy and ensure that the newborn maintains normal temperature and adequate perfusion. Provide an IV fluid bolus of normal saline or ring as lactate for poor perfusion. Administer antibiotics as meconium aspiration syndrome is hard to differentiate from pneumonia. Pneumothorax can be caused by air sacs, via alveoli, becoming distended and rupturing. Air escaping through the rupture and into the pleural space can cause partial or full lung collapse. Risk factors for pneumothorax include respiratory distress syndrome due to surfactant deficiency, mechanium aspiration syndrome due to mechanical obstruction, bag mask ventilation at high pressure, and mechanical ventilation, which includes CPAP. Effects of a pneumothorax can vary. A small pneumothorax may have no signs or symptoms, while a large pneumothorax can cause compression of the lung, heart, and major blood vessels. Signs and symptoms of a pneumothorax include respiratory distress, cyanosis, asymmetrical breath sounds, and asymmetrical breathing, with diminished rise on the side with pneumothorax, caused by positive thoracic pressure, chest asymmetry, and poor perfusion. Treatment of pneumothorax may depend on the symptoms. If no symptoms are present, monitor the patient closely. If the patient is symptomatic, decrease pressure from CPAP or the mechanical ventilation that may be in use. Note that you may need to change to standard nasal cannula, face mask, or oxygen hood. If a trained physician is available, consider needle thoracentesis, which is the evacuation of air from the chest using a needle. Apnea is defined as a cessation of breathing for at least 20 seconds, or a pause in breathing accompanied by bradycardia or decrease in oxygenation. It is caused by an immature cardiorespiratory drive due to the immature nervous system and very preterm infant with either a gestational age of less than 33 weeks or a birth weight of less than 1.5 kg or both. This type of central rather than obstructive apnea responds to stimulant therapy until the neurologic system matures and no longer requires a reminder to breathe.
to treat apnea of prematurity or newborns with a birth weight of less than 1.5 kg or a gestational age of less than 33 weeks on admission or day of life one should be started on methylxanthine stimulate, either caffeine or aminophylline. Caffeine citrate should be given first in a loading dose of 20 mg per kg by nasogastric tube or peros once on day one. Maintenance dose of 10 mg per kg per day by nasogastric or peros should be given every morning after that. You can give caffeine anterally even if otherwise near peros on IV fluid. The loading dose for aminophylline is 10 mg per kg IV once on day one. If the infant is less than seven days old, a maintenance dose of 2.5 mg per kg nasogastric or peros should be given every 12 hours. For infants older than seven days, maintenance doses of 4 mg per kg nasogastric or peros should be given every 12 hours. The contraindication is severe vomiting or conversions. Methylxanthine can occasionally cause toxicity, manifesting as tachycardia, vomiting, or agitation. If there are no other causes of these symptoms, consider holding a dose and reassessing later. If symptoms improve within 12 hours, decrease the stimulant dose by 10%. Apnea should be monitored with a cardiovascular or oxygen saturation monitor. Mild Brief apnea may produce no visible changes, but if it is more severe, the infant will demonstrate color change, including pallor and cyanosis. If apnea does not self-resolve, it may cause a decrease in oxygenation along with bradycardia and require physical stimulation or ambibag ventilation. Close monitoring is therefore very important. If apnea is new or worsening, perform a physical exam for signs and symptoms for, of sepsis. Consider full blood count, CRP, and chest X-ray. Consider starting antibiotics. Stop stimulant at 33 weeks postmenstrual age or three days prior to discharge if there are no signs of apnea or bradycardia. After discontinuing stimulant therapy, you must observe the infant for at least two days to check for recurrence. Do not continue therapy after discharge, as it can be unsafe without proper monitoring. Case studies. To review this material, we will practice with a case study on a newborn patient named Everard. He was born at 31 weeks, gestational, weighing 1,300 grams. His mother had no concern for chorioamnionitis. He has mild retraction, a respiratory rate of 80 breaths per minute, and on oxygen saturation of 88%. What is the etiology of average respiratory symptoms? 
what respiratory support is appropriate, what non-respiratory care is needed. Everybody has respiratory distress syndrome due to surfactant deficiency. He might also have pneumonia. He should be started on CPAP if available, otherwise on nasocannular oxygen, preferably from an oxygen concentrator to avoid hypoxia in the setting of his prematurity. An NFS should be sent and he should be started on antibiotics, IV fluids and a methylxanthine stimulant. At 48 hours, it should be determined if his symptoms are most consistent with pure RDS or RDS with pneumonia and antibiotics should be either be stopped or continue to complete a seven-day course. An NFS with a differential, CRP or chest X-ray might be helpful. Now you're taking care of Nadine, a newborn baby born at term by C-section without labor because the mother developed severe preeclampsia. When you examine Nadine, you note her respiratory rate to be 70, her oxygen saturation is 94, and she has mild restrictions with good air entry. What do you think is the etiology of Nadine's respiratory symptoms? What is an appropriate treatment plan for her? Nadine probably has TTN due to retained fetal lung fluid because she was delivered by C-section without labor. She should be observed closely. She can be fed by a nasogastric tube. If her symptoms persist or worsen over the next few hours, an IV should be started for antibiotics and or IV fluid while assessing if this could be pneumonia. An effect with differential might be helpful. Let's do one more case scenario. Lucy is born at 41 weeks gestation after a long labor. Thick meconium is noted in the amniotic fluid when membranes rupture 24 hours prior to a vaginal delivery. On her initial exam, she's noted to have a respiratory rate of 80, an oxygen saturation of 85%, and moderate grunting, flaring, and retractions. What do you think is causing her respiratory symptoms and what is an appropriate plan of care for her? Lucille may have meconium aspiration syndrome, pneumonia or both. She should be started on CPAP when available, otherwise on nasocannular oxygen. An NFS with differential should be sent and she should be started on antibiotics and IV fluid. A chest X-ray may be helpful, regardless of whether she has meconium aspiration syndrome or pneumonia, she should be given seven days of antibiotics because of the risk of secondary pneumonia in the setting of meconium aspiration. Summary. Having completed this chapter, you should be able to describe signs of respiratory distress in a newborn, identify the common causes of respiratory distress in newborns and treat them appropriately. The following is an outline of the key points from this chapter. Tachypnea, apnea, centrocyanosis, and the grunting, flaring, 
or retraction, or the common signs of respiratory distress in newborns. The common causes of respiratory distress in newborns are TTN, RDS, pneumonia, meconium aspiration syndrome, and pneumothorax. Treatment for respiratory conditions of the newborn include oxygen by CPAP or nasocannula, antibiotics, and either nasogastric feeds or IV fluids. Thank you so much. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.